Part three, chapter thirteen of Quo Vadis, a tale of the time of Nero. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Quo Vadis by Henrik Sienkiewicz, translated by Benyon and Malevsky. Part three, chapter thirteen. Before Flavius built the Colosseum, the Roman amphitheatres were mainly constructed of wood. Hence, nearly all of them were burned during the conflagration. Nero, however, ordered others to be erected, in anticipation of the promised games. One among them, a gigantic structure, started immediately after the fire, was built of large beams taken from the slopes of the Atlas Mountains, and transferred to Rome by sea and Tiber. The games were to surpass all previous records in magnitude, and in the number of victims. Large spaces were provided for spectators and wild beasts thousands of mechanics worked night and day building and embellishing stories were told of wonderful pillars inlaid with bronze amber ivory mother-of-pearl and tortoise-shells from beyond the seas long canals filled with ice-water from the mountains were to run along the seats to distribute an agreeable coolness through the building during the most intense heat a gigantic purple awning would give shelter from the rays of the sun between the rows of seats were to be placed vessels for the burning of Arabian perfumes. Above the seats would be fixed contrivances to sprinkle the spectators with a spray of saffron and verbena. The famous architects, Severus and Seller, employed their utmost skill in rearing an unequalled amphitheatre which should accommodate a greater number of spectators than any hitherto erected hence on the day set for the first morning game crowds of idlers waited from early dawn for the opening of the gates they listened with pleasure to the roars of lions the hoarse snarling of panthers and the howling of dogs for two days food had been withheld from the beasts though pieces of bloody flesh had been placed in their sight to increase their rage and hunger at times such a storm of wild voices arose that the people standing near the circus could not hear one another's voices the timid grew pale from fear with the rising sun came other sounds from within the circus loud yet peaceful which were heard with astonishment by the outside listeners who repeated among themselves the christians the christians in fact many had been brought during the night to the amphitheatre not all from one prison as previously arranged but a few from all the crowd knew that the spectacles would continue for weeks and months but they disputed among themselves whether the great number of christians intended for to-day's game could be dispatched in a single day voices of men women and children singing morning hymns were so numerous that the knowing ones maintained that even if one or two hundred people were to be brought into the circus at one time the beasts would become wearied sated and unable to tear them all to pieces before nightfall others affirmed that the great number of victims would distract attention and would not yield proper enjoyment as the moment approached for the opening of the corridors leading to the interior the people in a joyous and animated mood fell to discussing a thousand subjects concerning the spectacle parties were formed who took sides as to the relative strength of the lions or the tigers here and there bets were made others however turned their thoughts to the gladiators who had to appear in the arena in advance of the christians so other parties formed some of whom favored the samites and others the gauls some the mermillions others the thracians still others preferred the net-bearers 
early in the morning detachments of a greater or smaller number of gladiators under the command of masters called lanistae began to arrive at the amphitheatre not wishing to tire themselves out before the appointed time they entered unarmed frequently quite nude often with green branches in their hands or garlands of flowers on their heads young and beautiful in the light of morning and full of life their bodies glistening from olive oil were massive as if hewn out of marble they were trained so as to please the people who were delighted with shapely forms many of them were known personally and every moment cries resounded greetings to thee Fernius! greeting to leo greeting to maximus greeting to thee diomed young girls fixed upon them eyes full of love the gladiators singled out the most beautiful and replied to them jestingly as though no cares rested upon them sending kisses and calling aloud embrace me ere death embraces me after which they disappeared through the gates whence many of them never returned but new batches drew the attention of the crowds behind the gladiators came the mastigophori or men armed with lashes whose occupation it was to whip and urge on the fighters then mules drew toward the side of the spoliarum long rows of wagons upon which were piles of wooden coffins people were elated by this sight for the many coffins foreshadowed the great number of victims in the games after these followed people whose occupation it was to kill the wounded in the arena they were dressed so as to resemble charon and mercury after these came people who kept order in the circus and showed their seats to the spectators and then came slaves used for carrying food and cooling drinks and at last the praetorians whom every caesar had always on hand in the circus at last the vomitoria were opened and the throngs rushed to the centre but the multitude was so great that it flowed in for hours it was a wonder that the amphitheatre could hold such a countless throng the roars of the wild beasts scenting the exhalations of humanity grew louder the people as they took their places made an uproar like waves in a storm finally the prefect of the city arrived surrounded by guards and after him filed in an unbroken line of the litters of senators consuls praetorians aediles public and imperial officers praetorians elders and patricians and fine ladies some litters were preceded by lictors bearing axes in bundles of rods others by crowds of slaves the gilt gleamed in the sunlight as did the red and white liveries feathers earrings jewels and the steel of the axes from the audience loud shouts greeted the arrival of eminent personages small detachments of praetorians arrived from time to time the priests of the various temples came later followed by the vestal virgins and preceded by lictors and now the appearance of caesar was the only thing wanted for the games to commence unwilling to annoy the audience by overmuch waiting he arrived without delay accompanied by augusta and the augustales petronius was among the latter in his litter was vinitius the latter knew that lygia was sick and unconscious but all access to the prison during the latter days had been strictly forbidden new guards had been substituted for the old with strict orders not to speak to the jailers nor to communicate the least information to such as called to inquire about the prisoners hence he could not be sure that she was not among the victims destined for the first day of the spectacle a sick even an unconscious woman could not be spared from the lions 
the victims were to be sewed up in the skins of beasts and sent into the arena in crowds no spectator could be sure that this or that person might not be among them nor could any one of them be recognized the jailers and all the servants of the amphitheatre had been bribed however it had been arranged with the beast-keepers that lygia should be hidden in some dark corner of the amphitheatre and at night delivered into the hands of a servant who should take her at once to the albanian hills petronius admitted to the secret advised vinitius to go openly with him to the theatre and after he had entered to slip out and mix in with the crowd then he should hasten to the pit and in order to avoid the possibility of a mistake should point out lygia to the guards the guards admitted him through a small door through which they themselves had emerged one of them cyrus by name led him at once to the christians on the way cyrus said i know not master if thou wilt find whom thou art seeking we inquired for a maiden named lygia nobody gave us an answer it may be they do not trust us are there many of them asked vinitius yea master but a number must wait until to-morrow are there any sick among them none who could not stand on their feet with these words cyrus opened a door and entered into a spacious room but low and dark gleams of light penetrated in it only through grated openings at first vinitius could see nothing he heard only the murmur of voices and the shouts of people proceeding from the amphitheatre but after his eyes had accustomed themselves to the darkness he saw groups of strange beings in the guise of wolves and bears they were christians sewed up in the skins of beasts some were standing others on their knees prayed here and there by the long hair which flowed over the skin one might discern that the victim was a woman mothers resembling wolves carried in their arms children sewed up likewise in hairy covering but from beneath the skins appeared bright faces eyes which in the darkness beamed with delight or with fever it was evident that one thought dominated the greater part of those people a thought above all earthly considerations so that while still among the living they were unmindful of all that happened around them or that might befall them some of whom vinitius inquired looked on him with staring eyes as if newly awakened from sleep and answered nothing others smiled at him placing a finger to their lips or pointing to the iron grating through which entered bright beams of light here and there children were crying terrified by the roars of the wild beasts the howling of the dogs the uproar of the people and the likeness to wild beasts borne by their own parents vinitius walking beside cyrus scanned every face searching inquiring at times he stumbled over the bodies of those who had fainted in the throng from the suffocating heat he pushed on further into the dark depths of the room which seemed to be as spacious as the whole amphitheatre suddenly he stopped it seemed to him that near the grating he heard a voice known to him listening for a while he turned pushed through the crowd and approached the sound the dim rays of light fell on the head of the speaker and vinitius recognized under the wolf's skin the emaciated and inexorable face of crispus 
mourn for your sins cried crispus for the hour is at hand those who think that death will ransom sins commit a new sin and will be cast into everlasting fire by all the sins which ye have committed in life ye have renewed the suffering of the lord how dare ye then think that the life which awaits ye will ransom sin to-day the righteous and the sinner will die together but the lord will distinguish his own woe to you the claws of the lions will rend your bodies but not your sins nor square your accounts with god the lord showed sufficient mercy when he permitted himself to be nailed to the cross but from now on he will be only the judge who will leave no sin unpunished nor in arrears moreover whoever thinks that torture will blot out his sin blasphemes against divine justice and only sinks deeper into sin mercy is at an end the hour of god's wrath hath arrived soon ye will stand before the awful judge before whom even the righteous can scarcely be justified bewail your sins for the mouth of hell is open and woe to you husbands and wives woe to you parents and children stretching out his bony hands he shook them above the bent heads unterrified and inexorable even in the presence of the death which in a little while all the condemned must meet after he concluded voices were heard we bewail our sins then came silence only broken by the crying of children and the beating of hands against the breast the blood of Vinicius curdled in his veins. He who had placed all his hope in the mercy of Christ now heard that the day of wrath was at hand, and that mercy could not be obtained, even by death in the arena. Through his head flashed, quick as lightning, the thought that the apostle Peter would have spoken otherwise to those about to die. Yet the terrible fanaticism of the words of Crispus, the dark room with its grating, beyond which lay the field of torture, the nearness of it all, and the crowd of victims already destined for death, filled his soul with terror. All these things taken together seemed to him terrible, a hundredfold more horrible than the bloodiest battles in which he had ever taken part. The bad air and the heat stifled him, cold perspiration bedewed his forehead he feared lest he might faint like those upon whose bodies he had stumbled when beginning his search in the depths of the room but when he remembered that at any moment the grating might be opened he began to call aloud for lygia and ursus in the hope that if not they then some one of their acquaintance might answer and in fact a man wrapped in a bear's skin pulled him by his toga and said lord they remained behind in the prison i was the last whom they led out and i saw her lying sick on the couch who art thou inquired vinicius i am the quarryman in whose hut the apostle baptized thee they imprisoned me three days ago and to-day i die vinicius breathed more freely when he entered he had expected to find lygia but now he was ready to thank christ that she was not there and behold therein a sign of his mercy meanwhile the quarryman pulled his toga again and said dost thou remember master that i conducted thee to the vineyard of cornelius where the apostle preached in the shed i remember answered vinicius i saw him later on the day before they imprisoned me he blessed me and said that he would come to the amphitheatre to bless the perishing i should like to look at him at the moment i die and see the sign of the cross it would then be easier for me to die if thou knowest master where he is tell me vinicius lowered his voice and said 
he is among the people of petronius disguised as a slave i know not where they have chosen their places but i will return to the circus and see look thou at me when ye enter into the arena i will rise and turn my head toward the side where he is thou wilt find him with thy eyes i thank thee master and peace be with thee may the redeemer be merciful to thee amen vinitius went out and entered the amphitheatre where he took his place near petronius in the midst of the other augustales is she there asked petronius she is not there they left her in prison hear what has occurred to me but whilst thou art listening look at nigidia for example so that it may appear as though we were talking of her headgear tigellinus and chilo are watching us at this moment listen again let them put lygia in a coffin and carry her out of the prison as a corpse thou canst guess the rest yes answered vinitius further conversation was interrupted by tullius senecio who bending toward them asked do you know whether they will arm the christians we do not know answered petronius i should wish that arms were given to them said tullius if not the arena will soon become like a butcher's shambles but what a splendid amphitheatre truly the scene was magnificent the lower seats crowded with senators in their togas were white as snow in a gilded box sat caesar wearing a diamond collar and a golden wreath at his side sat the beautiful but gloomy augusta around him were vestal virgins great officials senators with embroidered mantles officers of the army with glittering weapons in a word all there was in rome of power brilliancy and wealth sat there in the farther rows sat knights higher up was a sea of heads these were the common people above them from pillar to pillar hung garlands made of roses lilies ivy and grapevines people talked aloud called to one another sang and at times burst out in laughter at some jest sent from row to row or stamped impatiently for the beginning of the spectacle the stamping became uproarious at last then the prefect of the city who with a retinue of brilliant followers had already ridden around the arena gave the signal with a handkerchief it was answered from the amphitheatre with exclamations of ah escaping from thousands of breasts the games usually began with lions or other wild beasts pitted against various barbarians from the north and south but this time beasts were not considered of sufficient account the initial performance was given by gladiators called andabates that is men wearing helmets without eye openings their name signified blindfolded scores of them entered the arena and together began to shake their swords in the air the scourgers pushed them towards one another with long forks the connoisseurs in the audience looked upon such proceeding with contempt but the crowd was pleased with the quaint motions of the fencers when the combatants happened to meet shoulder to shoulder they laughed aloud calling out to the right to the left front this was frequently and intentionally done to mislead the opponents however a number of pairs closed in and the fight grew bloody then the clutching combatants cast aside their shields and extending their left hands to one another so as not to be separated again they fought to the death whoever fell raised his fingers a sign that he begged for mercy but at the beginning of the spectacle the audience usually demanded death for the wounded especially for those who were blindfolded and who were comparatively unknown to them the number of the combatants was slowly reduced when at last only two remained and were pushed together so that they should meet each other both fell on the sand and stabbed each other reciprocally 
then amid cries of it is finished slaves removed the corpses while boys raked away the blood-stained sand in the arena and spread it over with crocus leaves a more important fight which was to follow aroused the attention not only of the rabble but also of the better class of connoisseurs young patricians offered enormous bets many risking all they had from hand to hand were passed tablets upon which were written the names of the favorites and also the amount of sesterces which each bet on his choice the established champions who had already won their laurels found most backers but there were among the betters many who posted considerable sums on new and unknown gladiators hoping to win immense sums in case of success all bet even caesar himself the priests vestal virgins senators knights and the people bet some of the crowd who had no money often wagered their own freedom then they waited with agonized anxiety upon the issue of the fight more than one loudly appealing for the protection of his favorite when the shrill voice of the trumpets was heard silence reigned in the amphitheatre thousands of eyes turned towards the great bolts which a man approached dressed like charon amid general silence he knocked thrice upon the door with a hammer as if calling to death those who were hid behind them then the two halves of the gate opened slowly revealing a black gully whence the gladiators poured out into the bright arena they came in divisions of twenty-five thracians mermilians samnites gauls all heavily armed in their rear followed the net-bearers holding in one hand a net and in the other a trident at sight of them applause broke out here and there on the benches to change speedily into an immense continuous storm from top to bottom flushed faces were seen and clapping hands and open mouths whence issued loud shouts the gladiators paraded the entire arena with even wiry steps their rich gilt weapons glittering in the sun before caesar's box they halted proud calm and brilliant the shrill clamor of a horn silenced the applause the combatants lifting their right hands and turning their heads and eyes towards caesar chanted in a monotonous sing-song hail caesar the emperor we who are about to die salute thee then they separated quickly each occupying the place assigned to him in the arena they were to fall on one another in whole sections but at first the most renowned combatants were permitted to engage in single combats wherein strength dexterity and courage were best exhibited from amongst the gauls appeared a champion well known to frequenters of the amphitheatre under the name of butcher he had been a victor in many games with a huge helmet on his head and a coat of mail fastened in front of his powerful breast and behind he looked in the golden light of the arena like a giant gold beetle the equally powerful net-bearer calendio appeared against him the spectators began to bet five hundred sesterces on the gaul five hundred on calendio by hercules a thousand two thousand meanwhile the gaul had reached the centre of the arena he slowly backed away a pointed sword in his hand lowering his head he carefully watched his opponent through the opening of his visor the light and well-formed net-bearer naked save for a belt around his loins circled nimbly around his antagonist waving his net gracefully lowering or raising his trident and singing the customary song of the net-bearer i do not seek thee i seek a fish why dost thou flee from me o gaul 
but the gaul was not fleeing he soon stopped and standing in one place began to turn slowly so as to keep his enemy always in sight in his form and enormous head was now something terrible the spectators fully understood that the heavy man encased in bronze was preparing for a sudden leap which would decide the battle the net-bearer meanwhile sprang up to him then sprang back handling his trident so dexterously that the spectators could with difficulty follow his motions the sound of the trident's teeth striking the shield was repeatedly heard yet the gaul did not quail thus demonstrating gigantic strength all his attention seemed to be concentrated not on the trident but on the net continually circling above his head like a bird of ill omen the spectators held their breath as they followed the masterly play of the gladiators the butcher bided his time then rushed upon his enemy the latter with equal speed shot past his sword raised his arms straightened himself and threw the net the gaul turning where he stood caught the net on his shield then both sprang aside from the amphitheatre thundered the shouts of Makti! On the lower rows new bets were made. Caesar himself, who from the beginning had been talking to the Vestal Virgin, Rubria, and up to this time had paid little attention, now turned his head towards the arena. Now they began to struggle again, with such uniformity and precision, that it seemed as though they cared not for life or death, but only for the exhibition of their skill the butcher escaped twice more from the net and again retreated towards the border of the arena then those who had bet against him not wishing him to rest began to shout attack the gaul obeyed and attacked the net-bearer's arm was suddenly covered with blood and his net dropped the gaul gathered up all his strength and leaped forward to deliver the finishing stroke but at that instant calindio who had intentionally made it appear as though he could no longer manage the net bent aside thus evading the thrust and ran his trident between the knees of his opponent bringing him down the butcher strove to rise but in the twinkling of an eye the fatal meshes closed over him and with every motion he entangled still more his powerful hands and legs repeated stabs of the trident pinned him to the ground once more he raised himself by his arm and endeavored to rise but in vain lifting to his head his weakened hand which could no longer hold the sword he fell on his back calindio pressed his neck down to the ground with the teeth of his fork and leaning with both hands on its hilt turned towards caesar's box the whole circus trembled with the applause and the roar of the people those who had bet on calindio held him at that moment greater than caesar himself but this fact banished all hatred towards the gaul for at the cost of his own blood their purses were to be filled the wishes of the people were divided on all the benches signs were shown half of them were for death and half for mercy but the net-bearer only looked to where sat caesar and the vestals waiting for their decision unfortunately nero hated the butcher for at the last game before the fire he had bet against him with licinius and lost a considerable sum he therefore stretched out his hand and turned down his thumb the vestals repeated the sign at once calendio knelt on the breast of the gaul pulled out a short knife from his belt drew aside the armor around the neck of his opponent and ran the three-edged knife into his throat up to the hilt it is finished resounded from all sides of the amphitheatre the butcher quivered for a moment like a stabbed ox dug the sand with his feet stretched and ceased to move 
there was no need for mercury to try with a heated iron if he were yet alive he was disentangled from the net other couples appeared after them whole detachments fought in battles the audience took part in them with soul heart and eyes howlings roarings whistlings applause and laughter urged on the combatants to madness on the arena the gladiators dividing into two companies fought with the fury of wild beasts breast struck breast bodies were intertwined in deadly embrace strong limbs cracked in their sockets swords were driven into breasts and stomachs pale lips spat blood upon the sand many novices were seized with sudden fear so that they fled away from the confusion but the scourgers drove them back again with lead-tipped lashes on the sand formed great dark spots an increasing number of dead naked and armed bodies lay stretched out like sheaves of corn whereon the living still kept up the fight they stumbled against armor and shields cut their feet with the broken blades of weapons and fell the crowd lost its self-possession in pure delight intoxicated with death they sated their eyes with the sight of it and drew into their lungs its exhalations with delight of the conquered almost all lay dead a mere handful of the wounded knelt in the middle of the arena and tremblingly stretched out their hands to the audience praying for mercy the victors were rewarded with wreaths and olive branches a moment of rest followed which at the command of the all-powerful caesar changed into a feast perfumes were burned in vases sprinklers sprayed upon the people saffron and violet water cooling refreshments were brought roasted meat sweet cakes olives and fruit the people ate talked and shouted in honor of caesar to incline him to greater liberality then when they had appeased their hunger and quenched their thirst hundreds of slaves brought baskets full of gifts from which boys dressed as cupids took various things in both hands and threw them among the people with the appearance of lottery tickets in the distribution a scuffle began people pushed upset and trampled on one another they cried for help jumped over rows of seats stifled one another in the terrible throng for whoever captured a lucky number might win a house and garden a slave a fine habit or a wild beast which he could afterwards sell to the amphitheatre this was the frequent cause of disorders so great that very often the praetorians were obliged to interfere and restore order after each distribution people were carried out with broken limbs and some were trampled to death in the crowd but the rich took no part in the scramble for lottery tickets the augustales now amused themselves with the sight of chilo making vain efforts to show that he could look on fighting and bloodshed as undisturbed as anybody from the beginning the unfortunate greek had begun to wrinkle his brow bite his lips and squeeze his fists so that the nails entered his flesh his greek nature and his personal cowardice equally unfitted him to bear such a sight his face paled his brows were covered with drops of perspiration his lips became blue his eyes sunk his teeth chattered and his body trembled at the end of the fight he recovered somewhat but when they showered jests upon him he was seized with sudden anger and defended himself desperately ha greek the sight of the tearing of human skin was unbearable said vinitius pulling him by the beard chilo exposed his last two yellow teeth and snarled out as my father was not a shoemaker i cannot mend it well done he had hit it answered several voices but others continued the rallying 
it is not his fault that instead of a heart he has a piece of cheese in his breast cried senecio neither is it thy fault that instead of a head thou hast a bladder answered chilo perchance thou wilt become a gladiator thou wouldst look well with a net in the arena should i happen to catch thee with it i should catch stinking carrion and how would it fare with the christians asked festus of liguria wouldst thou not like to be a dog so that thou mightest bite them i would not wish to be thy brother thou meotian copper-nose thou ligurian mule evidently thy skin is itching but i do not advise thee to ask me to scratch it scratch thyself if thou scratch thy pimple thou wilt destroy the best in thee in such fashion they attacked him and thus he defended himself viciously amid general laughter caesar clapping his hands repeated good and urged them on then petronius approached touching the greek's side with his ivory cane he said tis well philosopher but in one thing only thou errest the gods made thee a pickpocket but thou hast become a demon and therefore thou canst not bear it the old man gazed at him with his reddened eyes this time he was not ready with an insulting reply after a silence he said lamely enough i shall endure meanwhile the trumpets announced the end of the intermission the people began to leave the passage where they had assembled to stretch out their limbs and hold converse a general movement began with the wonted dispute about seats previously occupied senators and patricians hurried to their places the noise ceased at last and the amphitheatre returned to order on the arena was a crowd of people engaged in digging out here and there lumps composed of sand and blood the turn of the christians arrived this was quite a new spectacle to the people no one could foresee how they would comport themselves all awaited them with a certain curiosity expectant of something unusual so here were the incendiaries of rome the destroyers of its ancient treasures they had drunk the blood of infants and poisoned the waters they had cursed the whole human race and committed the most heinous atrocities the greatest punishments were not great enough for their crimes what the people feared was that the tortures provided for the christians might fall below the enormity of their guilt meanwhile the sun had risen high and its rays passing through the purple awning filled the amphitheatre with a bloody light the sand assumed a fiery colour there was something terrible in those gleams of light in the inflamed faces of the people and in the very arena empty now but soon to be crowded with people and savage beasts death and terror pervaded the air the throng usually joyous grew sullen under the influence of their hate their faces wore angry expressions the prefect gave a sign charon he who had summoned the gladiators to death reappeared and walking with steady steps around the arena amid perfect silence struck three times with a hammer on the door throughout the amphitheatre ran a deep murmur the christians the christians the iron gratings creaked from the dark openings came the usual cry of the scourgers to the sand the next moment the arena was peopled with satyr-like groups covered with skins all ran quickly feverishly and when they reached the middle of the circus fell on their knees together and raised their hands the people conceiving this to be a prayer for pity began to stamp whistle and throw empty wine vessels and clean-picked bones vociferating the beasts the beasts then an unexpected thing happened from the midst of the shaggy group voices were heard in song 
for the first time in the roman circus the hymn arose christus regnats christ reigns astonishment fell upon the people the victims sang with eyes raised to the awning the spectators saw pale faces full of ecstasy it was plain enough now that these people were not craving mercy apparently they saw neither the circus nor the people neither the senate nor caesar christ reigns sounded louder and the spectators all the way to the topmost rows inquired of themselves what is going on and who is that christus who reigns as is asserted by these people about to die meanwhile another grating opened into the arena rushed dogs madly barking great packs of dogs huge yellow molossians from the peloponnesus pied dogs from the pyrenees and wolf-like dogs from ireland all purposely famished lean with bloodshot eyes their barks and howls filled the amphitheatre the christians having finished their songs remained on their knees motionless as statues of stone only repeating with doleful intonation for christ for christ the dogs scented human beings beneath the animal skins surprised at their silence however they did not venture at first to throw themselves on the martyrs some leaned against the walls of the boxes as though they intended to go among the spectators others ran around barking furiously as if chasing some invisible enemy the people were angry a thousand voices shrieked some roaring like beasts others barking others urging on the dogs in various languages the maddened dogs would run against the kneeling christians only to draw back again gnashing their teeth finally one of the molossians drove his fangs into the skin-covered shoulder of a woman kneeling in front and dragged her under him at this a number of dogs threw themselves upon the christians the mob ceased its tumult to observe the better amid the canine howling and snarling the plaintive voices of men and women crying for christ for christ were still audible the arena was now a quivering mass of dogs and people blood streamed from the torn bodies dogs snatched from one another bloody members of the human body the odor of blood and torn entrails was stronger than the arabian perfumes and filled the whole circus at last only here and there were to be seen a few kneeling forms but even these soon changed into squirming masses vinitius at the first entry of the christians had arisen and turned his head according to his agreement with the quarrymen to that side where peter sat among petronius's people he now sat gazing with glassy eyes at the awful spectacle at first he feared that the quarrymen might have been mistaken and that lygia might be among the victims this thought benumbed his heart but when he heard the voices crying for christ when he witnessed the torture of so many victims who dying acknowledged their faith and their god he could not drive back other feelings which pierced him with the most poignant agony if christ himself had died in torture if thousands were following him if a sea of blood was to be poured out what mattered one little drop more would it not be almost a sin to ask for mercy that thought came to him from the arena pervaded with the groans of the dying and the odor of their blood none the less he prayed on and repeated through his parched lips o christ o christ thy apostle hath prayed for her then he forgot himself and lost consciousness of his surroundings it seemed to him only that the blood on the arena was rising and would soon overflow the whole city of rome he was deaf now to everything to the howling of the dogs the clamor of the people and the voices of the augustales who suddenly called out 
chilo has fainted chilo has fainted repeated petronius turning towards the place where the greek sat he really had fainted he sat there as white as a sheet his head thrown backwards his mouth wide open in corpse-like immobility at that very moment new victims sewed up in skins were being driven into the arena they knelt immediately in the same manner as their predecessors but the worn-out dogs were loath to rend them only a few threw themselves on those kneeling nearby others lay down and opening their bloody jaws scratched their sides and yawned wearily the audience restless in soul but drunk and maddened with blood began shouting with shrill voices lions lions let loose the lions the lions had been destined for the following day but in the amphitheatre the people's will was paramount even over caesar's caligula alone arrogant and fickle-minded dared to oppose them there were times when he gave orders to beat the crowd with sticks but even he was often obliged to give way nero however to whom applause was dearer than anything else in the world never opposed them this time he was more lenient than ever because he wished to appease the angry crowd and lay upon the christians the blame for the conflagration therefore he gave the signal for the opening of the lions dens an act which calmed the people immediately the creaking of the gates was heard the dogs at sight of the lions huddled together whimpering on the opposite side of the ring the lions stalked into the arena one after another they were tawny monsters with shaggy heads even caesar turned towards them his weary face and placed the emerald to his eye to see better the augustales greeted them with applause the crowd counted them on their fingers eager at the same time to note the impression which the lions would make on the christians who kneeling in the centre again repeated the words for christ for christ but the lions though hungry did not hasten towards the victims the red gleam on the arena had dazzled them so that they half closed their eyes some stretched their yellow bodies lazily others opened their jaws and yawned as if to show the spectators their terrible teeth but soon the odor of blood and the torn bodies a number of which still lay on the arena appealed to them they became restless their manes rose their nostrils drew in the air with a snort one of them made a sudden dash on the body of a woman with a torn face lying with his forepaws on the body he licked the coagulated blood with his rough tongue another approached a christian holding in his arms a child sewed up in a fawn's skin the child shivered and wept convulsively embracing his father's neck who wishing to prolong the infant's life if only for a moment endeavored to tear it away so that he might hand it over to those kneeling farther on the noise and movement excited the lion he emitted a short sharp roar killed the child with one blow of his paw caught the father's head between his jaws and crushed it in the twinkling of an eye this was the signal for all the other lions to fall upon the christians some women could not restrain cries of terror the cries were drowned in the applause this soon ceased the desire to see overcame everything else then began terrible scenes heads disappeared entirely in the lion's jaws breasts were opened by one blow of the paw hearts and lungs were dragged out the crunching of bones was heard under the fangs of the lions who seizing the victims by the sides or back ran around with mad leaps as though in search of hiding-places wherein to devour them undisturbed other lions fought together 
rearing on their hind legs, clasped one another with their paws like wrestlers, filling the amphitheatre with thunderous roars. Some of the audience stood up, others left their seats to reach the lower parts of the rows for a closer view. Many were crowded to death. It seemed as though the excited spectators would end by throwing themselves into the arena, to join the lions in tearing the Christians. At times unearthly noises were heard, at others applause. Then came roaring and rumbling, the gnashing of teeth, the howling of the Molossian dogs, and at intervals only the groaning of the martyrs could be heard. Caesar, holding the emerald to his eye, renewed his attention. Petronius assumed an expression of disgust and contempt. Chilo had already been borne out of the circus. Fresh victims were driven into the pit. From the upper tier of seats the apostle Peter looked on. No one saw him, for all had their heads turned towards the arena. He rose to his feet, and as once before, in the vineyard of Cornelius, he had blessed for death and eternity the hunted fugitives, so now he blessed with the sign of the cross those who were in the clutches of the wild beasts, blessed their blood, their torture, their dead bodies changed into shapeless lumps, their souls flying upward from the blood-soaked sand. Some of the martyrs raised their eyes to him. Their faces brightened up with a smile as they caught sight of the sign of the cross high above them. But Peter's heart was torn as he cried out, O Lord, thy will be done! For thy glory, for the testimony of the truth, these my sheep are perishing. Thou hast commanded me to feed them. For this reason I give them to thee, yea, to thee. Count them, O Lord. Take them, heal their wounds, assuage their pain. Let their recompense be far greater than their torture. And he blessed one after another, group after group, with loving compassion, as of a father surrendering his own children into the hands of Christ. Then Caesar, spurred by madness or the desire that the spectacle should surpass all others ever seen in Rome, whispered a few words to the prefect of the city, who thereupon left Caesar's box and went at once to the dens. Even the populace were astonished when next moment they heard again the sound of the opening of the gates, and now all kinds of wild beasts were let out, tigers from the banks of the Euphrates, panthers from Numidia, bears, wolves, hyenas, and jackals. The whole arena seemed turned into moving billows of striped, yellow, fallow, black, brown, and spotted skins. Then followed confusion, in which the eye could distinguish nothing save the horrible turning and twisting of the backs of the wild beasts. The spectacle lost the aspect of reality, and turned into an orgy of blood, a terrible dream, a prodigious panorama of bewildered fancy. All records were surpassed. Above the roars and howlings and yells rose, shrill and piercing, the hysteric laughter of women, whose nerves had given way under the strain. The people were horrified, their faces grew dark, and voices were heard saying, Enough! Enough! But it was easier to let loose the beasts than to beat them back. Caesar, however, found a means of clearing the arena, and starting a new amusement for the people. In all sections, in the midst of the benches, appeared detachments of black Numidians, adorned with feathers and earrings, with bows in their hands. The people guessed what was coming, and greeted the archers with a shout of satisfaction. The Numidians approached the circle, adjusted their arrows to the strings, and shot them into the crowd of beasts. 
that was indeed a new spectacle their shapely black bodies bending backwards stretched the elastic bows and dispatched shaft after shaft the snapping of the strings and the whistling of the feathery darts mingled with the howling of the wild beasts and the shouts of admiration from the spectators wolves bears panthers and such of the martyrs as were still living fell side by side here and there a lion feeling a dart in his side turned suddenly with mouth wrinkled from rage trying to snatch and break the shaft other lions groaned from pain the smaller beasts panic-stricken ran aimlessly around the arena or thrust their heads between the gratings meanwhile the arrows whizzed on till every living thing went down in the last agony of death then hundreds of slaves streamed into the arena armed with spades shovels brooms wheelbarrows baskets for carrying out entrails and sacks of sand crowd after crowd of them and over the whole circle there was a seething fever-like activity the space was soon cleared of corpses blood and refuse was dug over made even and spread with thick layers of new sand cupids ran in scattering rose leaves lilies and various other flowers the censers were lighted again and the awning was removed for the sun was now sinking the crowd looked at one another with surprise asking what new spectacle was still in store for them and indeed it was a spectacle which none had expected caesar who some time before had left his box appeared suddenly on the flower-strewn arena arrayed in a golden mantle and crowned with a golden wreath he was followed by twelve choristers with lutes in their hands in his own hand he held a silver lute advancing with solemn step to the centre he bowed his head several times raised his eyes toward the sky and remained in that posture for a while as though waiting for inspiration then he struck the strings and began to sing one o radiant son of leto ruler of tenidos chios and chrysos art thou he who guards over the sacred city of ilion couldst thou yield to achaean anger to bespatter the sacred altars burning continually in thy worship with trojan blood the aged raise trembling hands to thee Two o thou silver-bowed far-reaching archer to thee mothers from the depths of their bosoms lift up tearful voices to have pity on their children complaints that would move a stone but thou wert less feeling that a stone o smintheus to the people's woes the song passed gradually into a plaintive recital full of pain and doleful as an elegy silence reigned in the circus after a while caesar himself was touched and he resumed his song three thou art able with thy divine sounds to silence the lament of the heart when the eye is yet to-day filled with tears as a rose with dew at the doleful sounds of thy songs who can rescue from dust and ashes the conflagration and calamity of that day smintheus where wert thou then his voice quivered and his eyes moistened on the eyelids of the vestals tears appeared the people listened in silence which was followed by prolonged applause meanwhile from the outside through the opening of the dens were heard the creaking of the wheels upon which the bleeding parts of the christians men women and children were to be taken to the dreadful places known as the putrid pits the apostle peter seized his white trembling head with both hands and groaned in spirit 
lord lord he cried to whom hast thou given dominion over the world why wilt thou establish thy capital in this place end of part three chapter thirteen